what you are about to see is real. Two women of privilege, their views shaped by their divergent backgrounds. A white woman from an evangelical Midwest military household and a multiracial philosopher from a wealthy Southern California family. They are attempting to do something unimaginable in today's society. They are going to talk to each other like human beings. This is Privilege with Purpose. Co-hosts Dava Mills and Alina Francis openly discuss topics that are normally only whispered about behind closed doors as they try to illuminate context and break down power struggles. Welcome to the conversation. On this episode of Privilege with Purpose. So today's episode is about cancel culture. We're taking it out sometimes on these these people that don't deserve to have it taken out on. We get this dopamine rush because someone got fired. And I'm sitting there going, how is this building a positive society when we're purposely celebrating like the destruction of a person's life? Is this the future that we are creating? Is this what we really want? To be censored and oppress each other and police each other to the point of where it's actually harmful, disempowering. So you didn't bring alcohol, but you brought the KKK. (laughs) The conversation starts now. Hi, welcome to Privilege with Purpose. I'm Deva Mills. And I am Alina Francis. And our series focuses on power struggle. And we're illuminating context. So we're welcoming you into these very vulnerable conversations that we have with each other. And are very uncomfortable. And we know you're having them, but in this moment, we're choosing to share them with you. So today's episode is about cancel culture, and we are going to provide you some ideas to help you identify when you are participating in cancel culture and what to do about it. In 2006, Jay-Z publicly boycotted Cristal Champagne. Um, There was comments made by Frederick Ruzad. Um, He's now the CEO of Louis Rodier Winery. Uh, Jay-Z considered that his comments that he made were racist. How old were you when that happened? So when that happened, I was about, uh, I was in 26 I think I was 26 and my family who could afford it was just decided you know what we're not going to drink crystal right and a large uh population of the black entertainment world as well as corporations that owned bar establishments took it off the shelves like I'm assuming the bar establishments that probably catered to more the a black community, the African American community. Yes, rappers, black okay. Hollywood. Okay. It's kind of like the same thing as Snapple. So, Snapple. Because, right. you know, when I first got married, you know, 15 some odd years ago, 16 years ago, I was on a friend's property and she asked me not to bring alcohol. So, I just went to Costco and got two huge cases of Snapple for everybody to drink. So I don't know what the big deal is a Snapple because it, and that's what we had with the wedding cake and potato salad. So you didn't bring alcohol, but you brought the KKK. <laughs> uh, um, no, there was no people in sheets there. So what the hell are you talking about? Well, in the 1990s, um, on a, a certain day, my friend called me and she said, Alina, you have to stop 
drinking Snapple. And I'm like, what? Because that was the new Kool-Aid for black people, right? So anyways, <laughs> she's all, you can't drink it anymore because it's funding the KKK. One of the owners is a grand wizard. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, I'm not going to drink Snapple anymore. I proceeded to tell my whole family. Like, it started going around like wildfire. Then all of a sudden, you had a large, again, black population and community that banned Snapple. Okay, so when you banned Snapple, was that like, that was a boycott? It was a boycott. So what have you learned about Snapple and the KKK? Because that seems pretty vague to me. So without hesitation, without even knowing all the facts, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I, I and a bunch of other people banned Snapple. And then since then, these are now years fast forward to right, now, right. and doing research um, on the incident, you can go to Snopes and realize that it is a rumor. So it's not even founded. It's not even founded. You know, it's interesting that you talk about that because when we were getting ready for today, I was doing a lot of research on, um, I was trying to do different things. Like I was looking up like shadow ban, all this. And finally dawned on me, I typed in, what's the difference between a boycott and cancel culture? And it was really interesting what came up. It says a boycott is, it's highly researched, it's strategic, and it's usually a community of people, but it can be one or two people because it might just a personal boycott, right? Some people boycott certain types of uh, eggs that they eat in the morning, um, but they'll eat a different type. So it's the same thing with that's the difference between a boycott. Cancel culture, on the other hand, it was really interesting because it's about virtue signaling. And it's about actually getting this like dopamine rush in your head. And um, it, it's a rash decision in the moment. So uh, we think about that around Chick-fil-A when people got upset because it was, the, you know, the right. CEOs against LGBTQ. I had friends making jokes about, let's go have some homophobic chicken, right? <laughs> so um, anyway, but in that, there was a guy that he actually videoed in the drive through berating this poor employee who's just there to make a buck about Chick-fil-A. He not only lost his job, he had two or three jobs rescinded immediately after that um, because he posted this thing that went viral and everybody was like, dude, you were taking it out on the wrong person. And right. he was like a C-suite person. So let's go into the actual definition yeah. of cancel culture. Right. So in Wikipedia, cancel culture is a modern form of ostracism in which someone mm-hmm. is is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it be online, on social media, or in person. Right. And what was interesting when I was doing this research last night, they said that cancel culture is the intersection or it's a combination of what's called the Dunning-Kruger effect and confirmation bias. Now, most people are uh, familiar with something called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is where you keep researching an item till you find the view that supports yours and you throw that down as fact. The reality is the right and the left, we all have our confirmation bias, right? But the Dunning-Kruger effect is really interesting because when you learn something new is where the Dunning-Kruger effect comes in and also people that just don't have a lot of sense about them is the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's a high level of confidence with a low level of 
competence. So it's the original Dunning Kruger effect was from a study where a guy put lemon juice on his face and went into a bank and robbed it because he thought lemon juice is invisible ink, so his face would be invisible to the security cameras. So anyway, that's where cancel culture comes into play because people are making these really rash decisions on this high level of confidence, but nobody's taken the time to actually build up their competence, do research. And then when they do do very limited research, they're only researching the things that support their point of view. My problem with this is if we're trying to heal, if we're trying to heal humanity, Mm -hmm. if we're trying to eradicate racism, you know, any kind of ism, how is this a viable solution? Well, Well, it's not because everybody right now, they're, how many times have you seen a Facebook post that says, if you don't agree with me, just unfriend me? Right. And I'm like, but I want all this in my Facebook feed because I want to see what everybody's thinking. I want to see their points of view. And I'm kind of this outlier on both sides of my friends. I have conservative friends actually leaving Facebook. I have liberal friends actively banning people that are conservative. And then I started doing this research into how shadow bans work. And it was a patent developed by Facebook to reduce somebody's spread of information. And it's really hard to see. Yeah. And, and part of that is based on how the community flags things. And then this algorithm goes in there and sometimes will shut people down. So let's go back to censorship. Yeah. Okay. Right. So if uh, some people will think this is going into the conspiracy theory and it's like, okay, so if the bigger picture, if we are now policing each other, Mm -hmm. what's the intention? Right. If we are now policing to the fact that we're having people lose their jobs, their livelihood, mm-hmm. how in the hell is that okay? If you are woke, how can you even say that you're woke if you're going to cause someone to lose their fucking job? Like, you can't say it. No. You cannot. However, you have all these people saying they're woke. And then they and do. And they're doing this. Right. And, and they're they, pointing fingers. And they're having to, they're hoping that you lose your job because they didn't like what you and said. And then corporations fire these people, right. which one of the things that I did, like, it depends on how high up you are. Uh, an example is I remember some guy, like, told me I was really pretty at work once. Works out of over 600 people. He probably made 13 bucks an hour. I really didn't care. Um, but if a CEO said that there might be a little bit different context there, right? Because CEO has been trained in that they know better. And what gets me at these levels, we're taking it out sometimes on these, these people that don't deserve to have it taken out on or in this virtue signaling, we get this dopamine rush because someone got fired and I'm sitting there going, how is this building a positive society when we're purposely celebrating like the destruction of a person's life? So my thing is what's always the intention Rather than a why, what's the intention? Right. Where is this really going? Where is this really leading? And I don't think that the people that are doing this have an intention. I think they're getting off. It's like a virtual jack off on a person losing their job. Like they're having this weird moment where I'm high because this person was completely fired. They were let go. And my tweet among with Three million other people got them to lose their job. Can one say then, is this modern day lynching? 
Well, is this modern day stoning? Well, yeah. If you've like, got what people, what the fuck? Like, like, like people of the world, because it's not about black and white. Right. What the hell? Now, what's interesting is when we talk about this off camera, mm-hmm. you, you try and get me in these groups, which I won't join on Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook, yeah. um, most of the comments are pretty wild, and they're mostly from white, white women. Women. Okay, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going there. So <laughs> it's so 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 as a white woman, right? What is your concern? And I mean, you you said your concerns. Well, what's your personal? What's your personal stance on this, other than what you just said? Like, how is it affecting you, and how do you think it'll be affecting your daughter? Well, some of the virtue signaling that was directed at me was directed at me for having privilege of talking about getting my kid a tutor. Somehow trying to solve a problem that my family was facing that hundreds and millions and thousands and whatever else families were facing, which was COVID. Remember that? I and a few moms in a group of 6,000 women started talking about, well, let's get tutors. Let's do this. Let's do that. And suddenly there all there was this rash of posts that said all these women talking are being toned up to the people that can't afford a tutor. And I was sitting there going, but in this moment, aren't we all as moms just trying to survive? And why wouldn't you, instead of saying, stop being tone deaf and don't give your kid a tutor, why wouldn't you say, hey, listen, let's come together. If you can afford a tutor and you can afford a tutor, could you afford to sponsor a kid in your neighborhood who doesn't? Like that to me would be problem solving. Right. That to me would be, so for my daughter, I mean, right now, I mean, I think we're still in survival mode and my privilege has allowed me to do a lot with my daughter. And yes, I'm a white woman with a corporate job, a decent salary, a nice car, And I understand it, but I'm also very thankful that I have access to these things so that she has better tools as she grows up. Right. And so we'll go. So, so as a white woman though, it's frustrating to me. It's frustrating to me because if I try to do something, it suddenly becomes, oh, you're just virtue signaling. You're a white woman. You're just doing this to make it look good. It's white savior complex. So I do my best right now to educate myself. I follow a diversity of people on social media. I read things, you know, you and I don't always agree. And a lot of times our opinions are reversed based on white versus black. Right. Um, But at the same time, you know, I teach my daughter so many things and I allow her to be immersed in so many things that I'm starting to see already for her that she tells me, if you don't know what pronoun a person wants to use, mom, you should call them they. So when it comes to things like skin color, body sizes, she's very positive towards people. And I'm very thankful she has that. I don't know if that came from me, but I do believe that whatever I was raised with, a lot of that stopped and wasn't passed to her. So getting back to... Okay. When we go to these forums and I yeah. look at these threads with you mm-hmm. and it's, it's now we're, now we're getting even more specific right. in this cancel culture. Right. The question is, why is it women are, why are we doing this to each other? Right. Is this the new gossiping? Because it's not even gossiping. Like I said, I'm going back to it stoning. Right. Another woman. Right. 
It's stoning. The other it's, thing. It's literally cutting them off. Right. And the thing is, is we're not taking time to celebrate other people's cultures. We say we are, but we're doing it under the guise of, well, you're not allowed to do that because you've always been able to do that. Right. And, you know, I look at leadership theory and in multicultural companies, they succeed if they have really good leadership and they embrace multiculturalism. They don't go with the standpoint of, I don't see color. And I don't know what the answer there is. I know I have removed myself from some of those groups. I've been more in the shaming groups lately, which is interesting because those are getting zooked. They're getting taken down off Facebook That's because people are being altogether. negative. <laughs> no, this is cancel culture because someone gets mad that it was like a personal affront to them. They complain. They call their friends that are all on the same page with them. They all get online. Right. And, you know, now you have virtual signaling. Woo, we took down a group of 20,000 people that complain. Really? What did I do to affect your daily life? So my, then my, my brain goes into... Right. <laughs> Just like privilege right. got thrown into when uh, when we were shut down, locked down in COVID and um, racism started spiking again. Mm -hmm. My thing is we, we as people need to look deeper as to why now cancel culture is a thing. There it is. Did it didn't. Here's my thing. It didn't all of a sudden. Poof. It's now there. Right. Right. There's something else at works here. And that's what part of our podcast is about. It is bringing to light the bigger pictures instead of getting caught in these these tangents, which, which I'm going to say is purposeful. Right. It's right. intentional. The more we're distracted, the more we're not seeing the truth. And not, that's really right. happening in front of our eyes. And that's what I want to talk about. Well, I'm thinking there was like a perfect lineup of events here. And one of the things is if you want to look at it from a spiritual aspect, things that we made so, right? Mm -hmm. So we have this pandemic. We're all locked up at homes. We're all dealing in our little itty bitty pods. And like me, I was living life in what I called two week increments. I'd travel for work, visit people. Then I kind of hunker down for two weeks. Right? right. But at a bigger spiritual level, cancel culture was already out there working. But then when you have all these people at home that are experiencing anxiety and depression, what does their body need? Dopamine. What do you get from cancel culture? dopamine hits. That's fucking scary. So I'm sitting here going at a spiritual level, we collectively have decided right. to have depression, anxiety, and take it out on each other verbally and abusively. And then at a very sick Roman gladiator level, find entertainment and taking right. someone down who was strong. Which then is further segregating our world. Right. Because now it's not just about being American and, and it's not about being black Americans having a problem in America. Right. This is now global, right? It is. So now we're looking at a segregation on an even bigger scale. Right. Because on the segregation right now, third world countries might be responsible for producing their, their, their plants are producing the vaccine, but they're not allowed to give it to their citizens. So on a global scale, this this whole thing, like I said, at a spiritual level, is mind blowing. Yeah. And then it's the perfect intersection, and that's I believe that's where 
cancel culture was already there, but it became a thing because people were bored and their lives were on well, social okay, media. Okay. I'm going to yeah, yeah, jump yeah. in there. So let's take it back. So often when you read articles mm-hmm. about cancel culture, right. it goes back to a movie, New Jack City, in which there was a line being said, a black man saying, I'm going to cancel that bitch. However, something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. right? So then... However way it came back up again, we have a, a, a thing that came from negativity, right. from a misogynistic approach. Right. Black man now is attached to it. Oh, yeah. But now women, and it was used to diss a woman, right? Right. right. And now women are using it like it is... No big thing. It's no big deal. It's okay for me to out, you know, she doesn't deserve to be on there because I don't like what she said. Or she's allowed to have her viewpoint because she's not white, but you as a white person now have to live in a box because you haven't lived that experience instead of how do we come together and learn to or appreciate maybe that's yours. that's the point to put you in a box. But is that going to bring us forward as a culture Absolutely when we, not. yeah. Absolutely not. And that's, oh, that's the hard part. Have you experienced cancel culture in either way? Have you been there or have you been the other person on the other end? Um... I can't honestly think of a time that I've been on the other end, but I have absolutely been in a situation of cancel culture. A um, couple different ways. I had a friend, uh, we were very close. He came through for me in a hard time. And then he completely attacked a statement I made online once to a point that I realized, even though I'm not the person who unfriends people, it was so vitriolent that I did unfriend him and blocked him on all platforms. Um, as far as being a part of cancel culture, it's kind of weird. I was raised in a very evangelical environment and very much in the evangelical environment. Um, there is a huge cancel culture around a woman's right to choose abortion rights. Um, so I remember at the church, it was kind of weird. There was this huge March pro-life March, which is really silly. It's South Dakota. Most people there are pro-life, but of course we had a March anyway. And, like five women showed up. One of them had a kid and they had the stroller decorated in all these hangers. And then we were all mad because they got all the news time. But I thought what was interesting about that is everybody there was trying to cancel what is in the constitution. Right. And then you had like, you know, this small group of women show up with a hanger decorated stroller and they, in effect, in the news managed to cancel like 2000 people. So have I been a part of it? I don't think to the part that people have just completely axed me out, sent me bad juju. Um, but I've definitely seen where comments that I have made instead of saying, Hey, can we talk about this? Right. And you know, it's just your privilege and you're not taking into consideration other people, but I'm in a problem solving group. So wouldn't we come together to solve problems. And I'm not in that group anymore. 
So one of the things that I wanted to find out from you is we had talked about this previously. Mm -hmm. I had asked you on the Cristal, uh, the Frederick Rizod, I said, would there be any, any way that you would consider his product to be a viable product these days within the black community? And I still want to know, like, what would Cristal have to do to win back the affections of African-American people across the U.S.? Um, I can't speak for all the black people out there. However, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure black people are, are drinking Cristal again, you know, okay. from what I understand. And I read it in a magazine article that that's one of Oprah's favorite champagnes. So, you know, I just think that, um, First off, it's not my favorite champagne, so I, that would not even be my go-to. Yeah, and I don't so, drink champagne usually, so, so... And I am a champagne drinker, just that's not my favorite champagne. Right. Um, but if he had... If if Mr. Roussad had mm-hmm. continued on that fine line of belittlement and implying... Right. ...with uh, racial's undertone, right... I think what I would want to see from him is not just an apology because mm-hmm. anybody can say sorry. That doesn't mean shit. Right. So it'd be an apology followed by a solid action showing that he's putting forth a good foot. So what would be a solid action in this situation? In this situation, possibly, you know, saying sorry and... Funding something, I don't know, African-American tuitions. I mean, it could be anything, but... But that even that's not okay. No, you know what? I take that back. It's actually not okay. The thing about it is, is this is how this is how I think most people, and I'm gonna say most black people see it. Once a racist, always a fucking racist. So it doesn't matter what you say, what you do. That's mm-hmm. already imprinted in their head. That's who you are, what you are, and right. So, there's no. I don't even know if there's room for forgiveness. Is that healthy? No, it's not. However, what's attached to that then is I think that there is going back into our history right, and the pain and the suffering that has gone on that we attribute so many years ago, which is another conversation right. in itself, right, that they feel or we feel sometimes that we're entitled privilege to have to not be okay with it and never be okay with it coming up after the break how's it sounding jonathan what's a racist always a racist there's no way of getting around that we're we're, we're going need, there you need a challenge yeah. i was but she was on a trail i didn't want to interrupt because i'm a really good interrupter we all know that privilege with purpose season one We're just getting started. Get all new episodes every other Tuesday on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out the bonus footage playlist so you don't miss out on any of the conversation. And join us March 15th for a live after show on YouTube at 9 p.m. We'll discuss more about bra sizes and answer viewer questions. Privilege with purpose. Welcome to the conversation girlfriend what 
I just said something very offensive, and you didn't even say a word. Okay, so here it is. Black people right now, white people feel like we have to be in that box we just talked about. So if I come back to you as a black woman, no matter how good you are to a, as a friend to me and how precious you are, what am I looking like to other people out there when I say, how dare you call me a racist when I can go to all these different Instagram feeds and Facebook groups and everything. And I'm being told you have to accept the fact that you're a racist. So I'm sitting here in this like, okay, I'll go with the flow on this one. And the reason is, is if that's what you need to think of me to have our relationship survive, you're precious enough. I'm willing to put up with it. However, I think we all have biases that have been passed down by our parents. I've probably done some shitty things. You heard me. I've been known to refer to you as my black friend, and right? I'll be like, watch Girlfriend? what you just Yeah, said. you're like, I know, I know. But in that moment, it's like, you know what? How do I respond to this in a way that's not going to catch the ire of all these people? This is great that you're fucking saying this because my parents took on a completely different attitude right. in raising their four black daughters living in Brentwood, California, being one of the few blacks in the school, mm -hmm. their, their take was completely different. And that was this, you are, you, cause we're all different shades. My sisters and I, mm -hmm. I being the lightest, you are all, you're the rainbow. You can go anywhere and blend in. Mm -hmm. So for them canceling things, that wasn't even in their consciousness. They didn't even bothered with that nonsense because that's exactly what it is. If you're going to go into that, you're going into being still part of the problem versus being the solution. So how do we uplift our race? How do we uplift ourselves is finding is looking outside of the box. Right. And this is what I loved about my dad, because if you look at, if you saw a picture of my father, he, you, you cannot, you cannot confuse whether he's black or not. My mother is a different story, but my father, no, you could tell this is a black man, mm -hmm. a black man who built a business out of nothing to mm -hmm. a multi-million dollar business, right? He constantly dealing with racism had to just chose to think out of the box, mm -hmm. even in the face of what was going on. Right. So would you call that? I'm curious because right. I see this in some of these feeds. People are like, maybe it's manifestation and maybe it's just white privilege. So what do you think it was for your dad that made him succeed? Because according to the culture today, when you look at the differences between black and white, they're like white people are only succeeding because of white privilege, not because they're spiritually manifesting right. it into place. I just think if you have a drive within you, it doesn't matter if you're spiritual or not. If you have a will to be better, do better, you're just going to fucking do it. And all that other stuff comes into play, right? Right. It's just the matter that no matter what the circumstance, I'm going to rise above. And it's not dissing this person, that person, or that person. It's just no matter what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push all that nonsense noise out. And I'm just going to continually work on me and my family. I'm just going to keep on bringing us up, rising us up. So what do you think was the biggest piece of nonsense your dad had to push against? 
So one is when my dad told me this when I was a teenager. He mm -hmm. said, Alina, I had to stop. I stopped taking you out, just you and me by myself. I was like, why? When I was a baby, he took me somewhere. He mm -hmm. happened to just take me out. And cops stopped him and said, what are you doing with that white baby? And my dad was like, wait a minute, that's my daughter. And they're like, no, that's not your daughter. Where did this white baby come from? And he's like, this is my daughter. So he, he when he brought us home, he told my mother that he was never going to take me out by myself. So that wouldn't happen again. So let's talk about um, in cancel culture at a spiritual level, at a holistic level, at a physical level, what should people be doing to stop this and actually start redefining what their relationship is with everyone else? Um, the the moment you said that a song came into my head, yeah. you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. So so here's the thing. Is that Jay-Z? No, it's oh. Ice Cube. Okay, Girl, go on. I, I'm Girl, white. It's okay. <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself. What do you got? Please don't do that again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do not. Um, so the first thing is this. I really, the, before, before you even jump, if you're in the middle of a thread with a bunch of people. Right. Really ask yourself the question, what is the intention here? Right. What is the intention? I think that automatically will stop you dead in the tracks. If you're going to be woke, you really got to ask yourself, right. what is the intention? Am I forwarding humanity? Am I coming from a loving space? Am I being consciously aware with what I'm about to say next or right. do next? So to kind of bring that down to a more grounded level, one of the things I learned recently was it's only worth arguing with the person if you're trying to develop a relationship with them. And so I've been taking the approach that if I don't want to have a relationship with that person, I'm not going to start the argument with them. I'm going to walk away. Right. The other thing is I teach people at work that if you don't know the cost of the action, you shouldn't do it. And in cancel culture, we a lot of times don't know the cost of our own actions. Right. And in that dopamine hit, does that feel good? Is that worth the cost of the action? And then you have to ask yourself, who are you being in that moment? And if you have children, you are obligated. And yes, I'm saying you are obligated. What you're about to say, what you're about to do, would you want your child to do that? Right. Because if children are our future then the cancel culture has to act, ask itself, right. is this the future that we are creating? Is this what we really want? Right. To be censored and oppress each other and police each other to the point of where it's actually harmful, disempowering, and yeah. it is not a woke or consciously aware society. And so I would add to that, we always say kids, don't see color, but they do see the actions of the parents and the people around them. Yes. So if we want to keep our kids in that nice little bubble and creating a woke society, 
we need to ask ourselves the hard questions of what did I do in that moment that I don't want repeated by my children. And the last thing I want to add to that is we also have to give ourselves permission that if we have done things in the past that have harmed someone's life or caused them grief, then we have to be okay with that. We have to now be okay with that and not and not hold on to these ideologies and, and um, pop culture pop-ups that I'm going to call them that we're going to stick with them because of shame, embarrassment, anger, or looking good. Just know that you can change your mind. Just do good, be good. Do good, be good, be better. Thanks for watching today's episode of Privilege with Purpose. We've invited you into some very vulnerable conversations and we're inviting you to be a part of it. We want your questions, we want your comments, and we want to hear your experience because through illuminating context is where we feel true and real healing can happen. So we'll see you again on Privilege with Purpose. Next time on Privilege with Purpose. Why did you bring me here with my bras today? Today we're going to be talking to you about what it's like to be an average sized woman, not able to get bras, but still be sexual, be comfortable. There is this bra, which is my bra. These are my bras. Right. You're not going to, you're going to wear them. But it's not gonna stay on very long. <laughs> we even went to another store and they didn't have anything beyond a large in the store. We're like, where's, well, oh, we go up to like 5X. Well, where is it? Oh, you can order it online. If half of the population in America is overweight, speak to it. Three.